so welcome to another episode of Did You Know with Joe and Joe, the show that asks a lot of questions and gets answers from anyone and everyone, spirit industry, entertainment, you name it. Uh, we are going to ask questions and try to get you some answers. And Joe, I have to tell you, I'm very excited about this uh, um, episode. We have a very special guest who is um, a comedian who is performing nationally as we speak. He has um, a quite a resume, quite frankly, of, of accomplishments throughout his career. Um, notably, um, been on ESPN, had his own show, actually, on TNT. Um, he also had a, uh, a stint with Mad TV, Fox NFL Sunday, you name it. Um, from ESPN to Fox, Frank Caliendo who is known for, as the Wikipedia says, his observational comedy, and has been doing so for many, many years. I know Frank as my brother-in-law, and um, so he sort of had to do this show or feel the wrath of my sister. Um, just kidding. But Frank, um, I first met Frank um, when I took my sister to, I believe, to a comedy show Um I take that back. I she she went to see Frank first, right, Frank, and and then um, I think was there in the audience and sort of just listening to you. And I believe, if I remember correctly, um, laughing hysterically in the audience. Is that what it was, Frank? Was it was it uh, comedy at first sight? She told me she was laughing at me, not with me. So uh, she basically was saying, you know, hey. Uh, I, I don't I don't get what you're doing at all, but you seem nice uh, and hopefully you have money. I don't know if that's what it is, but she <laughs> but she and she and her friend end up going out to, to get something to eat or drink after the show. And the other comedians went there and were trying to hit on her and her friend. And I was just kind of sitting there going, this is weird. And then she's making phone calls the whole time, which I thought was awkward, too. But apparently it was for her dog, Tyler, who was sick. Um, well, priorities. Hashtag absolutely and uh those priorities would you know have him over me for years well doesn't um, that continue today with your five dogs uh is that how many we have <laughs> is that I how honestly, many i was gonna ask i, I <laughs> and you have I the gigantic do. dog yeah rocco I, I think we do but i the other day I said something about having four dogs. She goes, we have five. I was like, I don't know. I can't keep count. <laughs> by the way, by the way, Frank's dog Rocco, it's about 250 pounds and it's massive. Big teddy bear. Yeah, he, awesome dog. If you, yeah, he's basically, if you remember Barkley, the dog on Sesame Street, not Charles Barkley on Sesame Street. <laughs> like, you muppets are a bunch of knuckleheads. No, he's, <laughs> it was that giant dog that was just come. So he's Saint, he's half St. Bernard. Paint Saint Half Poodle, which you can imagine that process. That is, uh, yeah, it's creation. hard to describe. Thanks that. for offering the visual there, Frank. Yeah. Wow, chicken, wow. Yeah, like a poodle on a ladder. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but he's you know he's just a big dumb guy, and he comes. He's just always he's still he's drooling a little bit. Supposedly doesn't shed, even though we find his hair everywhere. That's the poodle part. So uh, we got that in five and four Shih Tzus, and the Shih Tzus are the, the two of them that look like Ewoks. Uh, one look one looks kind of like a potbelly pig, and another one looks like a small cat. 
Uh, maybe more like a maybe more like a ferret. Um, and who's the who's the leader of the Shih Tzus? Uh, I don't. Uh, the, the the one that thinks she's an alpha is the one that's only two pounds, which is uh, Luciana. They're all Italian names: Carmela, Luciana, Nico, and Romeo. And that's the, the one I'm thinking of. Luciana is the one that uh, that that seemed to be the most strong willed. She's she's a little white dog, and she's like I think she's two pounds, and she like she basically weighs a, like a heavy bird, and she wants to fight everybody all the time. So. Sounds yeah, like so most that, Italian women I know. So yeah, I was, I was gonna. I'm trying to not get divorced. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's very similar. It's very similar to Michelle and my daughter Juliet, where the, everything <laughs> makes them mad. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say. So we're listening to Frank Caliendo uh, here on. Did you know Joe and Joe? Of course, he's gonna be in Columbus, Ohio, at the Columbus Funny Bone on June twentieth. And uh, also the day after in Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarity's 4th Street Theater on June 21st. So definitely try to get your tickets through frankcaliendo.com. Frank, tell us this. So, you know, I don't know how many people grow up and say, hey, I want to be a comedian. How did it happen for you? You know, what 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 got you down this path? Uh, you know, I know you were, you grew up in Milwaukee. And how did it all happen? Yeah, Board Chicago grew up in Milwaukee. I just really didn't want to work for real. I didn't want to have a job job. <laughs> so it was either this or uh, HR at a college. And Wonderful profession. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> so, no. Uh, I, uh, I went to school for broadcast journalism at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee because I liked sports growing up and watching sports and that type of stuff. I, I didn't ever think I would be a sports broadcaster. I really didn't have a plan of any sort. I just knew that was stuff I did. I played baseball growing up, AAU baseball, high school baseball, and just like that kind of stuff. I would use, I was a catcher playing uh, baseball. So I'd be behind the plate and making fun of the umpires and batters and stuff like that. And they'd be like, you should be a comedian. I'm like, no, I don't think so. But people are always saying that type of thing. So I, uh, in school, when I went for broadcast journalism, I was like, I don't really like asking the questions. I like answering the questions more. I love Jonathan Winters, Robert Williams on The Tonight Show, that type of stuff, when they just go off and do types of weird things. So that's what I really want to do. One of my most, one of the toughest things for me in entertainment, my goal was just sitting on a chair next to a talk show host. That's all. I didn't really have a plan to be an actor, a comedian, or anything. I just wanted to be that. And I did that pretty early in my career. It's like, well, I've already achieved what I wanted to. Right. So now it's just kind of after that, it's just making money or doing whatever. Now I'm in this phase and I'm 49 years old. I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I'd like to have some more meaning to what I'm doing and try and act and do something sure. and tell a story. And uh, but in terms of that coming up, I, I started out in a, a, you know, I did a couple things at clubs and, and things like that. I went up at a club when I was still in college and I crushed and then I hurt my back. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I actually couldn't walk for a while. I hurt my back so badly. And during that time, I started working on a bunch of different impressions. And after this first time I went up at the club, they're like, you killed, you got to come back. And oh, then wow. I was out. Yeah, I was out for a while. And I didn't, I just had some really good voices that were decent uh, at the time. It was, you know, I did a Jack Nicholson, which a lot of people did. I just did it differently and more real. It was this kind of Jack. It wasn't like, hey, man, I'm Jack Nicholson. It wasn't that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, and I, I did Robin Williams. Oh, my God. You know, doing playing basketball or something like that. And then I did a Tony Danza. And, oh, John, it did some So I did those. 
and people were like, oh, you're doing impressions nobody else is doing. And so, but then I kind of disappeared because I'd hurt my back and I was still in college. And in the time where I hurt my back, I couldn't even go to school for a while. I was doing, working on more impressions. Um, so a couple of years later, I ended up coming back and they're like, where have you been? And I'm like, well, I wanted to finish my degree and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to try to do this for real. And they started bringing me up. They had me go up and they, they started bringing me back all the time. It was like, they, like after the first time, second, it was the second time up, but the first time back, they're like, you should be doing this all the time. So they'd bring me every weekend to just do a guest set. I, they like, we need you to do 15 minutes. I'm like, I've got maybe three. They're like, go do that three, do whatever. People That's awesome. Like wow. So that was, so, that was in Milwaukee, you said, correct? Yeah. At the comedy cafe in Milwaukee. And then, um, and then what happened was a college agent saw me after I was doing it for about a year. And it's like, he's like, you should go and do colleges. You're only what, 22 years old. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you should be doing this for kids who are about your age. So mm-hmm. they do these, um, uh, showcases. This is the way it used to work for colleges that all the colleges in a certain region and sometimes a national convention was called NACA, National Association for Campus Activities. Mm-hmm. And you would go do for all the buyers, which were all students as part of their student associations that would watch acts, you know, 30 acts over a weekend all at once. And I went up and I got like 20 different shows booked and I went and started doing colleges. I think the first one was an East Coast run and you're making uh, crazy money for that time. You know, you could go do a, a club and I could make $50 opening, $100 could be a middle, but you know, they were paying $50 mostly at the time for somebody who hadn't been seen at all mm-hmm. um, and just had to audition to get in. For, so you make $250 for a weekend to colleges. We're paying $1,000 a show. Wow. Or if you or if you put them together, you'd make $750 a show and put like four together. So I would make $3,000 over four days doing four colleges because there was only so many people that could do it because, you know, if you get to be a certain age, like right now, if, at almost 50 years old, it's like your dad coming on campus, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Kids, kids don't. Because you need some help getting to the stage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so So, what's your creative process like, Frank? I mean, how did you stumble upon being good at impressions and then being able to perfect it with so many? Like, talk us through that. that. I think that it's just repetition and it's kind of a boring process. It's just saying the same things over and over and over until you can get something down so i think most people can do it more than they think they just won't take the time to to really make that muscle stronger so if you watch it it's easier to watch a person and listen to them now remember when i was first at mad tv there was no internet so you couldn't you'd have to get research of somebody there was a whole research department where at mad tv there was a guy named dylan who you'd tell dylan Hey, can you get me videotape of, let's say, for this, for for whatever sake, Johnny Carson? Uh, can you get me two minutes of Johnny Carson so I can watch it and work on this impression? And then two days later, you'd probably get the videotape. Well, now you can just pull up YouTube and immediately do it. But you just so you just watch it and so um, let's go, let's go with Robin Williams. With Robin Williams, I was I would watch and when I was first watching, I'd watch it over and over and over. I was like, oh, or, you know, you figure out what's that, what's the key to get you into it? Oh my goodness. You know, that, 
that saying was oh, well and for me it was well if as soon as i'd say well there there i had it and could get now again it's not like i had the voice right away it took you know right thousands and thousands of uh of times you know the ten thousand hours of experience or whatever sure so the Malcolm Gladwell type of stuff. Exactly. But it's just doing it's just doing something uh, over and over and over. And then for me, the one that you know, listening, playing the video game, it's it, playing Madden. You could watch that and go, "Hey, folks, John Madden here." You know that. And it's like, "Welcome to John Madden football." So you could watch that kind of stuff, or watch commercials. It was always easier with somebody who was in commercials because they were playing to a bigger audience, broader than just their sport or whatever they, you know, their movie or whatever at the time. And that was on constantly. You, you, they would play the commercials in between everything. So you could have access to it a lot more. Now, like I said, YouTube changes that completely. So you can you can do constant research and watch whatever you want, whenever you want. That, that on demand just didn't exist back then. So, um, but that's really it. It's just repetition. It's finding, it, you know, to sound alike and impression are different. And an impression to me has a take. What is, right. what is the thing that makes that person interesting? Sounding like somebody is, I think, in many ways easier than finding what makes them tick. So you might get an initial laugh off of, you ever see somebody who does an impression? And that you you're like that's great for like five seconds, right? And right. then the next the Agreed. next thirty seconds of them doing it, you're like, why are you still doing this? What? <laughs> yeah. What you're saying isn't even funny. Yeah. Yeah. What's the take? You're just repeating lines from you know the line from a movie. Right. So you have right. to find out what what makes them interesting. So for me, for example, with Al Pacino, wasn't that he was a you know playing a mafia guy or a gangster or whatever it was that he was an actor and he was one of the greatest actors in the world and some consider him the greatest. And what do they teach you in acting is to be curious. Even though you know the line that's coming, you have to pretend like you don't know and then react like it's new. You have to, you have to experience every moment as it's happening. So for Pacino, even the experience of somebody flipping on a light switch would be amazing. Like, Whoa, wait a second. You mean you flip a switch over here? <laughs> the light goes over on there? What is this? This is sorcery. <laughs> Crap. Somebody dunk this person. So <laughs> that's the thing that makes what's the take? What makes the person interesting? And then you can go on and not just get the the, vo the laugh from the voice or the recognition factor, but from what's the take of the person that you're doing the impression it, of. It's funny. It's funny, Frank, because I, I remember listening and it was someone doing an impression on the radio. And it was, I think it was Homer Simpson and whoever it was they weren't funny because they were just doing the voice. It was, right. Like you said, it was the classic sounding like them, not that they were funny. And the one thing I've appreciated about the shows that you do is that it, I've, I'm always amazed how you have jokes that happen throughout the show with different voice and you go from voice to voice. And it's like, it's a very intelligent show. It's it's well thought yeah. out, and I'm, that, that I'm amazed because it really that's is impressive. Because you're just not that smart, Joe. That's, <laughs> that's probably it's, it's probably we've been both. saying that for years. <laughs> it's probably um, both, Frank. The, the reason those work and the, all the callbacks work and all the you know the characters come back is because I set up a reality of who the, what the take is for each person. So anytime, let's say with Pacino, from now on in this podcast, 
somebody could say something like profound or semi-profound, but you'd be like, whoa, <laughs> that's blowing my mind right now. So you already have the take and you understand that he's amazed by the simplest things. Now, something like that, it, it immediately works because you've already been set up in this take and reality. If you're just doing it with a voice, it has no reason to be there. So if you right. give it, if you give it a reason to be, that's what I think most people who do impressions where they fail. And a lot of people, when I first started doing impressions, they're like, I don't care if you don't have the jokes or whatever, they just want the voice. And that's just, that's lower level radio to somebody who's really good at radio. Right. The difference is they want to know, they want to have something planned to what's the, where's this going? In many ways, it's easier to get a sound alike than it is to get a take. Because the, and the take, you also have to react a certain way. You have to be in that mindset and you have to become the character. The voice, you can just, sometimes you can just emulate. It's parody. But then to get it and, and what's the person actually going to say or the opposite of what they would say that, that, you know, the fish out of water or the exact truth of what you think that person would say, both those things work. Um, but if you're just saying stuff to talk, that's when people get bored and there's nothing, there's nothing to it. Yeah. Well, you don't get bored at a Caliendo show. I can tell you that. Frank, I want to hear. And even when, even when there's no joke, I just go fast enough that you can't tell. <laughs> I, I'm more amazed at your Wikipedia profile, medium, stand-up comedy, television, and burlesque. Frank, how, how involved have you been in the burlesque circuit? I'm, I'm very curious. Well, it's, 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 it, yeah, I, I've uh, really taken a... Uh, a, a break from that there were years <laughs> i just felt like that was the old me and i needed to break into the new me and i became more vaudevillian <laughs> no kidding i i have i have two quick just really quick stories of frank that frank i don't even know if you remember this but the one year um you had come to visit in northeast ohio and i picked you i think i picked you up for the airport i was taking you somewhere and you reached down and this is back in the days of cds by the way for all you young kids out there, they, that's how you listen to music. And you pulled out pulled out one of my CDs from the door, and you're reading it, and you look at me, and you're like, dude, did you just burn one of my CDs? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, in, in all defense of myself, you don't expect the artist to be sitting in your car, you know, after you've... But the answer is yes, Frank, I did burn one of your CDs. Um, the other story was, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, I want a radio I, I, contract. But here's the here's the yeah. thing that you you you'd written illegal pirating of Frank Caliendo. <laughs> See, so at least you were honest about how you did it. Don't exactly. show to Frank. Was that what I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it said this is not a pirated version. <laughs> Otherwise known as. No, and the other one was I won I won a radio contest to do a radio show for an hour. And, um, oh, yeah, I do. you remember that? Do you remember that? And, and I, and I, and they, and they said you could have people call in. So I called Frank and I'm like, Frank, can you call in at this exact time? Act like John Madden. And you were, I, I don't, I think you were sort of just starting to get national at that point. And so they had no idea who you were. And all they heard was John Madden. And I see the guys in the booth looking at me going, Jesus Christ, you <laughs> John Madden on your show? I'm like, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> Fuck it, everyone. Um, and you did your show. It was if you could have seen the reaction in in the studio it was hilarious because they, they couldn't figure it out. But yeah, that I'm, I'm trying to give very cool stories of Frank. That's how Frank comes in, uh, uh, like the cavalry on some of these things. It was actually lots of fun, lots of fun. And, you know, Joe, well, you remember a story, Joe Gummany, um, when we were out visiting Frank, 
and uh, listening to his Obama. Do you want to tell that story? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I remember we were driving, running errands, and you asked us if you could try out your Obama. And I've never heard you do, I've heard you do Obama in, in a show. I've never heard you do the skit that you did. Because it was you, it was you doing Obama talking to uh, George W. about his his school for his his summer classes for uh, kids to to focus better. <laughs> oh, I think I was telling you about a friend of mine did that. That was John Holmberg's. Uh, yeah, that was uh, yeah con- the the concentration camp. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was telling it, my friend did, uh, yeah, my friend did uh, a bit about that. And I was like, uh, I don't remember, I, I don't even remember Obama being involved in that, but it was George Bush's, J- George Bush's concentration camp. And not exactly. knowing how bad that phrase was, which is, was the genius of the, uh, the concept of it. It was, I laughed so hard. And I, I but it, on that car ride, you tried out your Obama because you, and that's where I was impressed because you said, You'd been working for about nine months at the time on it, and it just wasn't there yet. And you were you're still working on it, so you wanted to try it out. And Joe and I are looking like two kids in a candy store. Absolutely, <laughs> like, like watching us work is not nearly as much fun, Frank. I'm just gonna say. Well, yeah, you were you, yeah. you were going on like with even the cadence, Frank. It, it made me. I mean, I think Joe as well kind of realized how you were so detailed. You said something along the lines of, "Do you ever remember?" And I think you have this in your act too now. You you know do you ever do you ever wonder how or, or notice how uh, you know President Obama starts talking slow in the beginning and then hurries up at the end. <laughs> you know, but you were doing it in your slow at yeah. uh, the beginning uh, and speeds up at the end. Yeah, it's the case. The one or two or three, a four, five, six, seven. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. That's no, a lot it, of what it, it is a lot of a lot of voices are more about the cadence. You get the pitches that that's the coup d'etat that's the that's the icing and the cake but the cadence in like how many christopher walkins have you heard low in the middle it's about how the how the words are put together that really makes you hear the person and you get what it is like the all the william shatners the old school captain's law starting nine (laughs) one one you know people know who that is just based on the pauses alone well, I think your show in particular, and I'm sure there's a name for this style, but you, your show is all tied together. You know, some sometimes you'll hear. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's called uh, Genius. <laughs> exactly, was, I think I already covered called? that. Joke. Oh wow, that's right, that's <laughs> yeah. true. No, but it, it it is. I mean, it probably is because it's you know you see some comedians which are fun, which are good comedians. I mean, they're entertaining, but it's like you know, they'll go from one thing to another, and yours literally. You know, for folks who haven't been to his show, by the way, go to frankcaliendo.com uh, for his upcoming shows in in Ohio. They, um, you know, I mean, you 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 will, will re- revisit a character later on in the show. You know, that a character will come back and it'll still be funny and it's still all connected. I think that's really cool and probably takes a lot of time to do that, frankly. Uh, not really. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, I guess it does when you first start doing it, but then it just it becomes natural to what you know, the Rolodex of characters in the head where, you know, something just feels right and you just kind of throw it in and then you just keep it. It's tr- a lot of trial and error to build an act is just doing things. And I always like that when a comedian would do a callback is what it's called. It, you call back to something you set up earlier 
And it's it's fun because, you, like I said, you've set up the reality for the person or for the audience. And then they're in on it's like they're in on this secret world. It's like anytime somebody shows up on The Simpsons, you're like, oh, the character's back. That's something you really or a guest star on a sitcom. You, in the, you know, when somebody comes in the door and everybody starts clapping in a on happy days or something like that. <laughs> it's just that recognition of, ah, this person's back. And it's just a there's a, a an interesting moment in the human condition where we enjoy that. Something we know is coming back to revisit us. You talk about comedians. Um, what are the comedians that you admire that you actually go see or, or watch? Oh, I don't I don't I don't watch any comedians. I I don't watch anybody. It's anymore. just you. <laughs> I don't want to say no, I don't want I don't watch myself for sure. I, uh, I I don't really watch anybody because I don't want to be really influenced by anybody. Um, ah. I, I will watch like a Dave Chappelle maybe sometimes just because I know I could never do any of the jokes he's doing. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't even matter of what he's saying. It just none of those things would come out of my mouth. So um, I, growing up, it was Robin Williams, Jonathan Winters, people like, uh, you know, uh, Brian Regan, uh, Dana Carvey. David Tell, lots of a lot. Stephen Wright, I loved Stephen Wright. I still do. Just the one-liners, and just he creates his own world of you thinking, "Geez, how did he do that?" Like if somebody else did it, that might feel like a pun or something. But he does it in such an ingenious way that now, now it seems different and and, and is just ingenious. So. I like lots of different, liked lots of different comedy growing up, but I definitely, I don't watch, I don't even like watching comedy movies because I feel like it's going to work. You know, it, it, I, I like drama and, and things. I like comedy that happens in drama. Like I love shows like Better Call Saul or Succession. Yep. Um, moments of awkwardness in drama that are funny because they're real. Those mm-hmm. are the moments I really, I don't like so much comedy for the, the comedy always feels forced to me mm-hmm. um, when I'm watching a, a comedy that's intended to be comedy uh, because I basically know where they're going with the premise. Most of the time, it, it, to me, it seems very, um, it's foreshadowed. It's not even foreshadowed. It seems uh, very in the face. Mm-hmm. So when comedy happens in drama, I like it because they're zigging when you think they're going to zag and something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I really like. And, and, and comedy, things go wrong and you, you they, people make bad decisions to make things worse. And they're obvious bad decisions. In drama, it's a lot of times it's just people lying to each other to get other people to make bad decisions. So they're lied to in drama to get the reaction they want to create the the drama in comedy it's more like i'm going to do something stupid now right <laughs> that stuff just doesn't that stuff doesn't keep me engaged what's your but, what's your most popular um voice that you do it depends on the people whoever it, it it's the audience the sports people will like you know old school madden uh could be charles barkley could be Gruden, but with him canceled, I don't even do him really. The um, Robin Williams used to be when I first started it was Chris Farley. It's always different because people like different things. And online, some people have been going more to the Paul Giamatti, the the weirder ones. That's the thing about the internet now is 
it used to be where you had to do stuff broad enough for everybody to get. Well, now you can do something very specific and then people who like that specific thing will share it with other people who like that specific thing. And that's the reason podcasts work is podcasts could not have worked 10, 15, 20 years ago because there was no way to share with people who, right. who had the same interest. You had to be, you had to like the same, you were only talking about broad things. So you could, you were broadcasting. Well, now you're narrow casting to very specific audiences who can then in turn share specifically with just people who are going to appreciate it in the same way. The, the name you didn't say that was surprises, Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, that's a big one. I mean, that's just, I didn't think of it. Um, I would say that's a, that's probably a huge one. That's, uh, that's way up there. Um, yeah, but that, that's only because I just, I can't remember the impressions I do. <laughs> you do too hey, many. <laughs> hey, hey, Frank, I have a question for you. So, you know, Joe and I started um, Suburban Bourbon by trying to get people to go back out, you know, to bars and restaurants, local, you know, mainly local here in Ohio after COVID and um, certainly had a big impact on their businesses. And just, you know, in general, we've talked to folks in the spirit industry, you know, how you know people tried to get by, you know, I think what people don't realize is, is not only were bars and restaurants, um, you know, closed or had modified hours. I mean, the, the entertainment industry was just hugely impacted and, you know, I, I, I'm curious what you found to be the case. I mean, certainly, I know there was a hiatus in general. I mean, concerts. yeah, but I don't. Well, I don't work that much. I, yeah. I only do stuff when I really want to. I mean, yeah. so other people I know were way more impacted. I I just pick and choose shows to do at times here and there, so I'm having fun doing it. Right, because you were I mean, more selective with what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be. Uh, I don't, I never wanted to be a comedian. It just happened. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. Oh, some people need to get out there and talk. I, I, I don't, I, I, I might've at one time, but I, I don't need that. You know, Johnny Carson would say, the reason I go out there is because uh, people applaud for me. I, I'm almost embarrassed by applause and laughter and stuff. So it's like, it's kind of weird to me. I still am weird about it. So, I don't know. It's a business to me in those terms. I like the sure. people. I like performing for people. I like making people laugh. But it's not to hear myself talk. I I've never needed that. Um, that's why I have kids and a wife, so I can experience <laughs> that. <from them. laughs> but and most people can't understand that because everybody, most people want to be famous, and I'm right. I'm like I never really wanted to be any level of fame. I just. Wanted to not have to work for real. And I ended up working, you know, 10 times as hard early to get to the point, but I saved a lot of money and put a lot of money away. So yeah. Yeah. I, so I could pick and choose. I mean, are you ever up on stage? Honestly, I mean, for people who will never have that experience, are you, do you just sit and go, Oh my God, I'm, I'm literally getting paid to be funny. I mean, something I'm very good at and everyone's laughing. I mean, there's gotta be an ex like sort of just, I don't know, epiphany when you're up there. Um, that no, this is just I don't amazing. think about that. It's a, it's better than, it's better than working at the golf course on the grounds crew like I used to, you know, getting up at five in the morning and going to my lawns and then digging sand traps. Yeah. So I've been doing this 20 some years. I mean, yes, there's a piece of me that's like that, but there's another piece of me like, what else can I do to help humanity? Uh, and then I go, oh, that's way too difficult. So I'll go up and be silly again. <laughs> so, so Frank, of all the places you performed, is there any 
any city or any place that you particularly have enjoyed over your career that you've always had good memories or it's always been a great show or, or whatever the case may be? I don't think there's, I mean, Midwest audiences are probably my favorite because I grew up Midwest. So anything, the East Coast is a little harsher. Um, anything in the, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, Illinois, even Ohio, Indiana, still consider that Minnesota. That's all kind of normal, quote unquote, normal people to me. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's always that. I, I, I've i never, New York, like I said, harsher. They want it in your face. And then uh, in on the West Coast, it's more like, oh, we're too cool for this kind of a thing. So I, I just like, I like normal people. I like performing for normal people more than industry or people who think they're too important. That, that stuff, that, I, I, I don't, again, I, I don't need that. I'm not really trying, I, I don't. I don't go up there to try and impress people. I just kind of go up there to try and make people have fun. And I'm sure it doesn't happen that often now, but like as far as heckling, like when, when people are in the, in the crowd and they're heckling the comedian, I mean, every once in a while you'll see it. And you know, at the kind of, at the, it, yeah, when I've seen you, I've never seen it happen, but I got to imagine at some point in your career it's happened. I mean, that seems like an awkward thing to have to deal with and uh most or just, or just the loud the so loud quick. patron the loud patron right who's yeah just but most of the time they'll get of the rid show. of the, most of, yeah most of the time the club or the theater or whatever will get rid i'm at a level where they'll get rid of them unless i tell them not to uh, i it, you know I'm, I'm not i i don't even want to perform at a venue where they're they're not going to get rid of them because they're just going right. to make it's ruining it for everybody else so mm. yeah you get one or two lines if they keep going and think they're part of the show it's time just to go because too many people paid money to see the show. Uh, it's, it's, it's not tolerated. I mean, when you do you, when you do it earlier in your career, yeah, you got to put up with some of it. Sometimes you just deal with it and go on. If they, if you know, you have the microphone, so you're immediately stronger than them. Um, just don't let them, if they get the, if they get the best of you on something, let it be and then move on. Because sometimes somebody will say something funny and they're, it's just so good. You can't, you have to acknowledge it and then go, that's great. And then move on. And they maybe they got their thing they want. If they keep going again, there's nothing you can do when somebody's just over the top too loud. Well, interestingly enough, Frank, I was planning on heckling you in Columbus, the Funny Bone, twentieth, <laughs> and also Larry well, Fourth Street Theater, June twenty first. Yeah, I'm already planning to get rid of you. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> security. You're not going to be admitted in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They get the large Italian guy. Ask him to leave. Um. Frank, this has been very, very entertaining. And I think that um, Joe and I both appreciated certainly your time. And, you know, as we have said, well, we're trying to do these shows. We're trying to create just sort of different topics and meet different sorts of people. And and certainly, you know, you giving us the time has been certainly very, very helpful. Um, we enjoyed it. I mean, I, we've gotten to know you, of course, over the years. And certainly as my brother-in-law, it's been lots of fun. Um, and as a friend-in-law, it's been great, too. As so a friend-in-law. Yeah, what, a, what a treat. What a treat. What a treat. And Frank, it all joking aside, Frank is a great dad and a great uh, husband to my to my sister. Absolutely, and yep. um, certainly we appreciate uh, like time like this. So, um, Joe uh, Gummy, do you have any parting words or any? Uh, no, Frank, quick, you, we just really Frank? appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Obviously, it's been great knowing you for many years, but uh, we do appreciate you know you not just what you do on the stage, but uh, you know who you are. So, thank you very much, and I uh, appreciate the time today. Yeah, thank you. It's it's you know it's tough being a wonderful person like I am, but I'm. <laughs> I just I I strive to be me every day, and sometimes I struggle with being me. But I'm getting to the point where I can just be me, and people will 
accept me for the greatness that I am. I know. Most, most of all, I'd like to thank myself. <laughs> Um, is there any chance that, uh, uh, Morgan Freeman could, um, um, sort of send us on our way on this podcast? Well, truth of the matter is we've done plenty of things throughout this show and throughout time, but this time was coming to an end for Joe Vitale and Joe Gummany. This is Morgan Freeman and goodbye. Amazing. Amazing. I know. By the way, his, his open letter Le- awesome. when he did the open letter for LeBron, that was the funniest, and that still goes down in history as well. Oh, my God. And Mike and Mike. No, no. I think it was on Mike and Mike, wasn't it, Frank? Um, yeah. That was amazing. That was absolutely spot. Uh, again, I used the word genius to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> capital like- G, capital E, capital N, you know that. Well, we'd like to thank the Steve uh, or the uh, Jeff Bezos of comedy, uh, Frank Caliendo, Steve Jobs, uh-huh. if you will. Um, no, thank you, Frank, and um, we appreciate your time today. Thank you for listening to another episode of uh, Did You Know with Joe and Joe. Look for our new content coming by next week. Uploaded to Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thank you. Thanks again, Frank. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We would like to thank our sponsors, Phone Ninjas who provides ongoing training to thousands of auto dealers across the nation. Their success with clients has made Phone Ninjas one of the hottest and fastest growing companies in the automotive sector. Phone Ninjas at PhoneNinjas.com And by we. Welcome to everything for everyone, everywhere, every day. Enjoy an app with so many exciting features like user-friendly social media, Find and rate local bars and restaurants. Search for live music near you and even network to find friends, jobs, or even a date. There's so much to explore that we know you'll love it. Download the We app today from either the App Store or the Play Store.